Hi, I'm Rain Barry, and from wherever you're listening to the Audio Wave Cafe podcast, I really do appreciate you joining me. Okay, I think that's enough for the chat. My guest on this episode is Scar singer-songwriter Roger Apollon Jr., all the way from New Jersey, USA. First, I bring you music news and views, and I shine a spotlight on Grammy Award-winning music producer Timberland. Uh, let's move on. Recently, on this music and news segment, I talked about Pharrell Williams, the creative director of fashion at Louis Vuitton headquarters in Paris. Well, he's now back in the news, facing a backlash from PETA, the animal rights organisation, for designing Louis Vuitton's latest handbag range. Oh, and it'll set you back a cool million dollars. Lisa Lange, senior vice president of PETA, has accused Williams of ignoring ethically conscious customers and in having the bag crafted in crocodile skin. Lange has said that this is not a fashion statement, but abuse. Oh, and uh, the crocodile skin bags come in five colours. Not in the wild, they don't. For those of you who have been waiting for those demented Japanese warriors, Kiss, to finally decide they really are quitting playing live shows, well, the wait is almost over. The boys are currently on the End of the Road Farewell Tour and will finish up at Madison Square Garden, New York, on the 1st and 2nd of December. They'll be maximising their revenue for their final show, for the US and Canadian fans by providing a cable stream of the show for $40 a ticket. You know, I took my wife to see them at Birmingham NEC in the 90s. We were still semi-deaf two days after the show. Iron Maiden singer Bruce Dickinson has signed on to appear in a horror movie about an ABBA tribute band trapped in a nightclub at the beginning of the apocalypse. I believe Bruce and the band have to save the future of music and, of course, save humanity. Are they going to give the gore and horror treatment to Abba's best-loved songs like Mamma Mia and Take a Chance on Me? Will Abba's fans love it? Hmm, doubt it. But if there is a living dead version of Waterloo, I might just check it out. Finally, Keith Richards of those perennial rockers, the Rolling Stones, has said that following the success of Hackney Diamonds, that they will continue to make albums until they drop. I never expected anything else. Also, by continuing to play the guitar, it helped keep Keith's fingers supple as he does have problems with arthritis. Ah, Keith, what a trooper. My guest on this episode is New Jersey-based scar singer and songwriter Roger Apollon Jr. Thanks so much for joining me on this call from across the pond. Thanks, Ray. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Ah, you're welcome. Roger, a few months ago, you visited the Coventry Music Museum. How did you find the experience? Wow. Uh, very eye-opening. Very, very eye-opening. As, as a longtime two-tone fan, hearing this music from America in the 80s when I was in high school, you know, you, you have no idea where, you can only imagine where uh, these musicians were living. And in my mind, England was, like most Americans, it was... Uh, know uh trafalgar square it was buckingham palace you know savile row you know so i'm thinking they're in and i'm also i have no concept of geography because i'm american so i'm thinking they're a london band um and they're singing about london and i'm like wow london's cool and whatever um but london coventry is not london 
Um, and, and when I drove into Coventry, I have some relatives who live, uh, live in Sullyhole, um, on the way back, we drew, we stopped in and Coventry is, you know, like Brooklyn currently now it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a rough town. Um, so that was the first thing that struck me like, oh, wow, this is, first of all, like, I always knew it was protest music, but this is really like. This is ghetto, like this is like like UK hip hop, like this was like you know music that was not you know this wasn't you know uh, glamorous London. This was like gritty Coventry, uh, and this is how it looks today. I can imagine what it looked in, in, in the eighties, and this is no disrespect to Coventry, but it you know it was it, it struck me it was like this is not London, this is not posh. So that was number one, and number two, the warmth I got from Suki, um, who owned the cafe. Um, uh, cause we communicated on Facebook, uh, when I went to the cafe, I thought that was it. I thought when I went to the cafe and saw the wall, I thought that was the extent of it. Cause I heard it was small, you know, I was like, oh, wow. Well, okay. You know, I was prepared to just, you know, have a coffee or a tea and say hi and keep it moving. Um, and then they're like, no, no, the museum's like, you know, a little bit down this alley. And I went to the alley and went in and I was truly amazed at, uh, memorabilia. Um, that was there. I felt like it was an exhibit catered specifically for me because I was such a two-tone nerd. So Ranky Rogers hat, uh, I mean, the, I mean, the crowning glory was uh, the specials car. I mean, the actual specials ghost town car. That's just, you know, I, t- I took a picture. It's my banner for my Facebook page and my family in it because that's just such an iconic video. That video, I mean, I don't have to tell you about how iconic that video is, but so for me, that was just, it was just a... Um, I just felt very like a, I must have felt like a Muslim coming to Mecca. I just felt very humbled that this little town, this little roughneck town in, in, in the Midlands of, of England has produced this music so amazing that it's got uh, black people from New Jersey coming from miles to pay homage to this music, this, this art form, this lifestyle. It, it's really a lifestyle. So for me, it was amazing. And then the, Ter- then the Terry Hall tribute wall was just, you know, touching. So I loved it. I loved it. And then they're like, oh, you're in a band. You have to sign the I got to sign the wall. I got to sign the door of all these other musicians from around the world who visited. So yeah, it's, and so that was, that was great. And then also just also, you know, sadly how a lot of the message is still relevant, you know, and, and that's kind of a little bittersweet how from the eighties you thought, right. You know, now there's awareness of these problems. Now we're going to move on and kick on from here. And we, we haven't really pushed kicked on, you know, generally. I mean, yeah, there's been some cosmetic and incremental, you know, incremental changes. You know, black people can now go to pubs now without being harassed. Generally, you know, the politics are still, you hear ghost town. London, as far as music that we're doing, is a ghost town for, for, the, for the clubs and the bands. You know, it's, it's DJs now, right? It was an amazing experience. I really felt connected. I, I felt like it, it rejuvenated the love I had for the art form and the music again and the lifestyle. Like I felt, I felt like this message is still relevant and there's still a chance for it to grow. There's still a, a need for this. And I felt like the fencing is a lot of what we're trying to do is trying to bring back the, not necessarily the sound, the spirit of Two-Tone. The specials, when they recorded their later stuff, it's still political. It sounds different. They took chances. Like the last album is a, co- a completely different jump off from from the first album. And that's okay. It's not, it's not ska, whatever it, it's, you know, ska. Yes. It's, it's ska is the jumping off point of the music that we're trying to do. The, the, the message is unity. That's still the message. We still have to connect to that. Did you only visit the, that area of Coventry? 
See, there are nice areas in Coventry. That, where, as you get towards the city centre, there are um, areas which are, which are uh, very old, going back to Victorian era. Yeah, yeah. Again, this was just literally a stop in, a drive. How popular is ska in America? And did the specials have any influence with their punk ska sound? <laughs> I think we have to start with what is ska in America? As a middle-aged man, you know, starting a ska band in, in 1988, I don't know what ska is in America. The specials revival stuff, or or, or is it what what I see now is like the interrupters, like the ska punk type thing that's very popular. Is it ska revival, like sixty ska revival, like what the Slackers type, you know, what they do? Uh, is it that those bands like Streetlight Manifesto? There's there's doing stuff that sounds almost like rock folk. I just don't know. So that's one. Two, I think ska has been, for whatever the reason, American society has relegated ska to second-class music status. It's not considered a real category. It's considered like a subgenre of a genre. And this, again, this is my opinion. Hip-hop has its own category. Rock has its own category. Folk has its own category. Reggae has its own category. Ska does not have its own category, right? So that tells you right there that according to the industry I'm, I'm speaking, it's not a real music. It's, it's, it's a spinoff of something else. And my definition of ska is anything rooted in two-tone, rock steady, you know, anything rooted in that. It doesn't have to sound like it, but rooted in that from that. So I, I, I don't know um, how rude bands rooted in that genre make it, um, how, how they break out. What I do know is that Again, this is all my opinion, is that the ska music that I'm listening to right now on the radio and what I hear on the internet, I don't find like super in, like engaging or I, I don't I could see why it's second class, put it that way, because I think a lot of times American bands treat ska as like a jumping off platform. And I don't think they take it seriously themselves. And again, not not in a bad way like the but you know, like hey, they're like, hey, ska's cool, but let's have fun with it, which is fine. I see Scott two turns a lifestyle and something that has a message that goes beyond the music. And I think that is what's missing in music in general. And I think what we're trying to do with the Fensic is present ourselves as that, as we are a Scott rock city based band. Cause it doesn't, it's not exactly that Scott, but it's more than just the music. It's the message behind the music. The messages in Scott are since the Scott is such a big platform, there are lots of messages in it. So before ska was very pretty much like, in my opinion, left wing or kind of like anti-racist. Now in America, there are a lot more voices and there are voices that are not like that. And, and that's fine, but ska is not just for people who think that. There's ska is for people who think otherwise as well. So you got a lot of different messages. And you know, and now ska is, in America is mostly about American problems. Ska has changed. Is, is ska popular? How popular is Scott? Uh, I, I, did I evade the question? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> Perhaps we should move on. <laughs> Tell me more about your plans for your latest band, The Fensic. What does two-tone look like in 2023, 2024, 2030? You know, two-tone is still relevant. It's still relevant. We're just going to update it. We're updating the sound. That's all. And we're updating and the, the spirit's still there. The, the elements are still there. You know, uh, people forget, you know, Look at the masters, the specials, the first album, and the difference between the first and the second album. Just look at that progression. The difference between the selectors, too much pressure, and celebrate the bullet. They were updating their own sound. 
They weren't trying to recreate their own sound. But Selector's putting out new music. Selector's still putting out new music. And they've been around longer than us. We've been around for 35 years. They've been around for well beyond that. And, that, and that's what gets under my skin. It's like, why are we trying to create this thing that not even the people who created it want to create? Let's build. The specials had every right. They could have done a specials first album part two if they wanted, but they didn't. They were like, you know, we're going to go this way. International jet set, stereotype, what? You know, like from from much too young to that, like I, I, they weren't afraid. They were two-tone. Like whatever they did was two-tone because they were two-tone. That's, that's, that's two-tone. It's like whatever you do is two-tone because you are it. It's not a style. It's not a music. It's, it's, it's a way of life. It's a way of thinking. And that's what I feel like a lot has shot over a lot of these, um, you know, it's, I feel like it's a fetish. Like, don't fetishize the 80s. Again, respect, but Terry Hall wasn't trying to recreate anything. He was into whatever he was doing. Um, and so that's why I'm passionate about the fencing. It's like, we're just going to be ourselves and we're not worried about what people are going to call it because we know what it is. We know it's the spirit of Tito. We'd love to be able to be big in America and New York and all that stuff. But if there's no demand, that's that's fine. The world is big. Um, and that's what gets me excited. Like I'm curious. I want to use the Fensic as a way to explore other avenues to really spread the message of Two-Tone and Scott. It's exciting stuff. I think it's a good time now to wrap up this interview, Roger. Thanks so much for being my guest. It's been a real pleasure. Absolutely. Yeah, Ray, this was awesome. Recently on this Music News and Views segment, I talked about Farrell Williams, the creative director of fashion at Louis Vuitton headquarters in Paris. Well, he's now back in the news, facing a backlash from PETA, the animal rights organisation for designing Louis Vuitton's latest handbag range. Oh, and they'll set you back a cool million dollars a bag. <laughs> Lisa Lange, senior vice president of PETA, has accused Williams of ignoring ethically conscious customers and in having the bag crafted in crocodile skin. Lange has said that this is not a fashion statement, but abuse. Oh, and uh, the crocodile skins come in five colours. Not in a while they don't. For those of you who have been waiting for those demented Japanese warriors, Kiss, to finally decide they really are quitting playing live shows, well, the wait is almost over. The boys are currently on the end of the road farewell tour and will finish up at Madison Square Garden, New York, on the 1st and 2nd of December and they'll be maximising the revenue for their final show for their US and Canadian fans by providing the cable stream of the show for $40 a ticket. I took my wife to see them at Birmingham NEC in the 90s. We were still semi-deaf two days after the show. Coming up is a track from New Jersey band The Fensic, taken from their debut album release, Don't Test Me. This is War Inside. Shots at me There's no place 
Inside by the Fenzik, and thanks so much to Roger Appleton Jr. for being my guest. On the next episode, my guest is lead guitarist Jack Coulson, a progressive psychedelic rock band from Coventry, Push. Jack just contacted me on Facebook one day and said, Could he be a guest on a podcast episode? I said, Of course you can. I think that's it for now. Uh, yeah, it is. I'm done. Till next time.